catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G from Fight Game Media, and I'm about to play a show that I did with Robert Silva. He used to be part of this website and podcast network. Uh, we're going to talk about Andre Ward, his brand new book, Killing the Image, as well as the Showtime documentary, which is great, a complimentary piece to the book, and just kind of state of boxing and 2024 robert and i also went on a couple different tangents because we're both giant sports and pop culture fans and uh yeah it was a really fun show glad to hear from robert he's sounding well he's doing he's continuing to do his audio his boxing stuff as well as his uh, legends of sports and, and music podcasts uh but the other thing i wanted to mention to folks is today we announced the closing of our Patreon, which is where we kept the uh, the heavy amount of our podcasts. We have one podcast here, which is the Five Star Joshi Show with Scott Edwards. And the Patreon was just a, a great place for us to kind of try a bunch of different stuff. We absolutely had a blast with the people who followed us over to the Patreon who would subscribe. We went through so many different price changes and different content ideas. I remember the first idea I had was to do some uh, UFC podcasts with John Moxley, which I think would have happened, except uh, once the pandemic was over, his schedule got super busy. So he was just back traveling uh, a lot. We couldn't do that show. We did some great Q&As with Dave Meltzer over the years, which were a blast to do. We did the Karate Kid series with uh, Chris DePetrio. I'm going to figure out how to you know, make sure that I still have all that stuff for down the line. Because when Cobra Kai comes back for the last season, uh, I want people to be able to listen to that as well. Again, before Chris and I get together and, and do the last season. Um, just a ton of content, you know, John and I doing WCW and WWE history stuff. So much fun stuff on the Patreon. Shout out to all of our podcasters who put forth so much effort and passion into that project. And, you know, really, it's not that it was not successful. I mean, when you have a large number of subscribers who invest their time and money into your product, it shows that there is value there. I think for me... It was just the rat race of it all. And I was getting so tired of trying to drive that growth number, knowing that just in today's environment, it is much harder to do a subscriber 
based uh, deal than it probably is starting up, you know, five years ago if, if we if we were a little bit earlier to the game. Uh, and plus, you know, we're still going to be able to do all of our content. It's all coming to this feed that you're listening to. We'll have all of the shows uh, for as long as the, the podcasters want to do them will be here. We're going to keep all of the YouTube stuff on YouTube so we won't have backup audio feeds of that stuff. It'll stay on YouTube. We want to just promote the YouTube feed as the main place and the main driver to watch that stuff. But there may be a show that I do a live stream of that I want the audio up for because there are people who just will not go to YouTube. So we'll, we'll see some of that. But we're just going to try and keep doing our, our podcast network here on this free feed. And we got it back going. We got it revved up again. Uh, you know, lots of changes. I, I, if I could go back and, and do some things differently, I definitely would. But the Patreon was awesome. We hope all of you who are listening to us here, um, I hope, well, not all of you, but I hope some of you were former Patreon subscribers uh, and uh, folks who did not want to subscribe for whatever reason to the Patreon. This feed is free. There's no charge. So... Uh, just, uh, yeah, the, the Patreon, I mean, I have some regrets on it, but overall, what a great experience. And it allowed me to find people who you listen to now on this feed, uh, who are passionate and who just needed a chance to showcase their skills and their talent and their love of what we do. And, uh, we hope that, uh, Y'all enjoy this, you know, throw a, throw a review up in, in Apple podcasts. I think Spotify also has reviews now. Uh, just, you know, lend us a little bit of love as we try to get this algorithm back on track and, and get the fight game media network back in, uh, in the free feed space. So, all right. Uh, thanks for listening to that a little bit of, uh, little, little bit of me going back into time for a few years ago, but we're going to go and, uh, do our thing here for the the for the future, and I I, I don't imagine we're gonna ch- do too many things differently or change anything up unless some crazy opportunity arises that I, that we can't pass up. But uh, you you should be hearing all of your shows in this feed. Uh, okay, so now I'm just gonna pass it on to my discussion over the weekend with the great Robert Silva. All right, everybody, I got a fan favorite back on this show, somebody who I enjoyed working with for several years, not only from the podcasting standpoint, but also from the writing standpoint, got the OG back, Robert Silva. What is up, my man? Hey, and um, that nickname was give, partially given to me by Garrett, because when I first met Garrett, he used to call me the great. Robert Silva, yeah, and then I just and then I did a twist on the OG. You know, OG's an old saying, oh, "Original gangster." I said, "No, the original great Rob <laughs> Silva." So I took original with Garrett's great, and I combined it. And that's how I got the nickname, the OG Rob Silva. What's up, Garrett? What's up, family? So uh, I forget where I got that from because I, in radio. I just remember there was a show that I was listening to or that I listened to, and every oh, I know who it was. Now you won't know this person more than likely because you're obviously not from the Bay Area, but 
There was a guy by the name of Gary Radnich who worked at uh, the radio station that I interned for and that I'd listened to like my whole life. But he was also the sports, the local sports guy for the uh, KRON, the, the NBC affiliate out here. And so he's kind of like a a local celebrity because everybody he's like a local know. legend. Yeah. So his name is Gary Radnich. He also played basketball for Tarkanian at UNLV for a very short time. Uh, but but he's born and raised in the Bay Area, so he's a pretty big deal. And I, he, you know he's not, he doesn't do stuff anymore, but just the name is is still there. And so whenever he would bring on a guest, whether it was like just you know somebody who's like really famous, and even more so if it wasn't someone really famous, just someone who was like a really good caller on the show, he would always like bring them in like to this like gigantic introduction, the great you know Mark from Milbray and so I used, I used to love how he would do that and so then when when we started doing the tweets uh, about you I just, for some reason I just wanted to to introduce you that way so that's where that comes from but uh so you and I uh you know we we've we've done stuff historically and I've been meaning to get you back on this show the Double G show which probably didn't exist before uh, before you left uh, Fight Game Media no, uh, but I I've, I've talked it, to uh, Carlos you, you, you started that after you made everything Patreon exclusive, yeah. So uh, I had Carlos on, uh, not not that recently, but uh, I think we, we we there was a fight that we watched and we. I uh, you were you guys recap you then you guys recap uh, Spence Crawford and then um, Canelo Charlo. I think it was Canelo Charlo that we yeah. did. Yeah. And, and so you know he and I were talking and you know we were talking about you a little bit and. I was like, yeah, I need to find the right time to get Robert back on. And so when this Andre Ward book came out, Killing the Image, I sent you a text. And I was like, hey, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to read this, let's talk about it. And you were like, yeah, I already have it ordered. And, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the thing about that book is it's a really quick read. Like uh, you can probably get that thing read in like three or four hours if you just sat down with it. So it was awesome because we, you know, we've only had it for a couple weeks. And mm-hmm. I know Andre's very proud of it. So I uh, wanted to bring you on because there's also a documentary that goes along with the book. The, the documentary came out a few months ago. and Back when, in June. When the I, documentary came out in June, yeah. When I was reading the book, I didn't realize how closely the two kind of fit together, which was really cool. Uh, so let's talk about Andre. You know, there's not... There's not that many opportunities, I feel like, in the boxing world to really celebrate folks who, uh, you know, who have who stopped fighting or have retired or who've gone into the Hall of Fame. You know, Andre went to the Hall of Fame in 2022, and you see that on the documentary. But it's not like there is a plethora of boxing autobiographies that are out there, right? Like, right, you know, right. I, I remember Oscar's uh, autobiography probably came out like 10 or 15 years ago. Um, I can't even think of, you know, Mike Tyson's done books as well. But that is also based well, on you, the celebrity and you have Mike Tyson. A, you have a great Sugar Ray Leonard doc, uh, autobiography out there. there but is, you're right. Yes. It's not like... In professional wrestling, damn near everybody has an autobiography. Everybody. <laughs> but in boxing, all right, you've got several books on Ali. Sugar Ray's got a document, uh, documentary, autobiography. Uh, there's a nice book on Roberto Duran out there. Yes. Of course, you've got the Four Kings book that we always talk about. But not as many. I mean, if you look at all, Lennox Lewis doesn't have an autobiography. No. 
Not at all. There's no Floyd Mayweather autobiography yet. Look at all the legends. So you're and, right. We get one like Andre Wood. We got to jump on it. And you know what? You know what I think it also is is you know books. A little bit of an old media, right? Like, mm-hmm. like you know, people if they want to do something, you know, maybe they go on a podcast and and do it. But with audiobooks being pretty popular, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's out there and it could be something that uh, you know, that that people could be into. But so I wanted to talk about this because. I feel like Andre Ward, I had a really good look at him because I lived in the Bay Area, so I knew he was on the come up. Hey, Garrett, he's the greatest fighter ever to come out your area, so it only makes sense. And so I remember the Olympics. I remember that whole story. I remember when he turned pro. And the thing about this book that I don't think I realized, even from the documentary— is that he was headed for like a really bad place. Mm-hmm. He was dealt a, a, a bad hand with who his parents were and with their drug addictions. And this is not to say that they were bad people in any way. His mother overcame hers and right. his pops was kind of on his way to overcoming his and and then he passed away yep. uh, early. But Andre, the the human, the human being, not even the boxer, but the human being of Andre, he was sort of, you know, on his way uh, to becoming, you know, n- n- just I don't even want to say the word statistic because that's that's almost insensitive. But he, he was not on his way to becoming the Andre Ward that we knew. And that part of the book is I was just like he's telling the story and he does tell the story in the documentary where he's like dealing drugs and yeah. he doesn't really have it in him like he's not the the killer that you know that that he needs to be if he was to really get into this and he's talking about getting pulled over by you know just riding his bike and he's got the the rocks in his mouth and he's like what am i supposed to do here oh i i, I gotta swallow some of these things now he and, swallowed them all and and the guy the cop what just sort of stopped him and was like not gonna do anything he's like, yeah you're fine go ahead and so andre had to figure out how to eliminate the the rocks that were in his system so that he didn't die. Like, just stuff like that where you go, wow, like, that is an insane place to be for somebody who not that much longer becomes the, you know, the the Olympic gold medalist. And, you know, you look at where U.S. boxing is today, you know, back in, in Andre's day, it was already on the descent of, of yep. where it is today, and he was yep. kind of the, the one – who made who who made it so that it, we weren't totally losing uh, uh, every every medal round? It's funny, and he, he this when you look at the both descriptions, the documentary and the book, the book gives you more detail and is much more vivid about that incident than the documentary, which is usually the other way around, right? With the with the visual aspect, you read the book, and when I'm reading that segment of the book, and he's talking about being pulled over by the cop. And the cop's wondering where he's going. And then he eats all the, the crack rocks. He swallows them. And then he runs home and he tells his mother and he goes and buys the X-Slack. And then he shits it out. I'm reading that and I'm like, wow. As, you know, he tells it in the documentary, but I get an even greater sense of, of the desperation he was going through at that point in time. Because like he said in both the documentary and the book, a few more minutes and he would have had a heart attack. Yeah. By the way, is is that not how Old Dirty Bastard died? 
You know what? That's the rumor. But I don't think it ever was confirmed. I know there was drugs in his system, and he died young, and there's going to be a documentary coming out on him. It's already done, but they haven't... A&E has a documentary on ODB that's already done. They they uh, premiered it at the Apollo Theater back in August, the historic Apollo Theater, not too far from where I live in Harlem. They haven't shown it on a and I don't know when they're going to... I thought they showed it this year since it was the 50th anniversary of hip-hop. Right. But I'm sure that that documentary will give you, the, the viewers, all of us, the real deal behind his death. Now, we're already on a tangent here, but because you are who you are, mm-hmm. I have to ask you, what did you think of the Biz Marquee documentary? Phenomenal. Phen- I did a podcast review on it. Phenomenal. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Um, his wife, beautiful woman, beautiful soul, really helped tell the story of him. And it was very accurate how he got his start. When he when Bismarck keep we're on a tangent, I'll make it quick. First got his start, it was because of Roxanne Chante and Big Daddy Kane. I loved it. It was very accurate. It was very authentic. I loved it. It was one of the best hip-hop documentaries I've ever seen. And it was done in a much different way because of the time frame which it was recorded. Like they just they didn't have access to biz necessarily because he was the, dying you're right and so they yeah. used puppets and they used just you know throwback stuff and uh, i thought i thought it was very creatively and done. and his and his wife was the spokesperson throughout the whole documentary as it should be so it, it was tremendous for those who haven't seen it both now it's on paramount plus yes and showtime if you have paramount plus or showtime on your cable paramount plus app both the Bismarcky and Andre Ward documentaries are on that app. And like Gary and I have said for years, Showtime is on an unprecedented run of great documentary. Four Kings documentary still on there. As and and the Michael out. Jackson thriller documentary just came out. I was watching it when you called me. <laughs> wait, wait, there's a new thriller documentary? Yes, it just came out. Oh, my God. Less than an hour ago. Well, no, it hasn't come out. You're... you're you're not midnight yet. At midnight, it'll be available for you. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for that one. Okay, okay. so we'll, yeah. let's get back to, to the topic. And, <laughs> and uh, I actually have Andre Ward and Kovalev uh, on the TV in the background here. So the second fight, um, just kind of have it on while, while we're doing this. And just to tell you the mood that I am, Robert and I are recording this on a Friday evening, much later for him than me, but, you know, when I when I think about boxing and when I think about kind of the times that Robert and I were doing more stuff, I don't know. I'm just in this like reminiscent mood, and for whatever mm-hmm. reason, like I was like, ah, I know Robert doesn't drink, but I'm gonna pour a glass of scotch. I got my <laughs> I got my Andre Ward fight on in the background. I just got done rewatching the doc, so I'm kind of like transported back to like 2017 right now. Yeah, which was it was his last fight was in 2017. You're right. So, you know, it's funny. It's funny. This won't be a tangent. How HBO in the book he mentioned that HBO had offered him a huge deal to keep fighting after he beat Kovalev. Yes. And then he decided to retire. And less than three months out, he retired in September of 2017. In December, they stopped Aaron boxing on on, on HBO. Crazy. I think one goes, it goes hand in hand. I think had Andre Warren signed that deal, we might still have boxing on HBO. That is, that is an interesting thing. Think about thing. it. Think about it. 
Wow. I didn't even, yeah, I did not think about that. Huh. Uh, man. And, and so, because yeah. they probably would have done a Ward versus Canelo fight. Yes. So, and, you know, how things come full circle and how uh, you you take a peg out of out of out of the a square out of a peg, whatever, whatever. You make whatever analogy. One leads it to the other. Andre's retirement was even bigger for the state of boxing than what we realized at the time. And in the documentary, SOG, the, the book of Ward, he does mention that even you know, within the last few years, he's gotten offers of tens yeah. of millions of dollars yeah. to fight again. Yeah. And it has to be the Canelo fight because there's no other fight at his weight class that I think they, would they, be worth that money. On, that's the only money fight that if he wanted to come out of retirement, which he won't because he doesn't have the hunger. But if he were to come out, that, so that now, would now he's like make sense. 38 or 39 now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He and. He'd get slaughtered because he hasn't. He hasn't fought in six years. Yeah, yeah, six and a half. That is a good. That is a good dream fight, though. A thirty-three-year-old Andre Ward and I don't know. Canelo was probably in his mid-twenties at that point. That no, been... no, uh, he was older than that because he was twenty-three in two thousand. He was in late twenties, twenty-eight. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that that would have been a nice little little dream fight, chess match as well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, so getting back to the book, um, the, 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 the one character, or the, there's a few different characters who were in positions of leadership in Andre's life. And I'm not quite sure how he feels about them in the documentary and in the book. He talks about uh, Jay Prince uh, signing with Jay Prince right out of. Amateur boxing, right after yeah, Jay Prince. Jay Prince took advantage of him, which I did not know until I read the book. Right. I've always thought that him and Jay Prince were in sync. Then I read the book, and there was a lawsuit that was never mentioned in the media or whatever. I guess that's the that's the power of Jay Prince. Prince's <laughs> yeah. power. <laughs> yeah. And like, and, and which they 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 didn't really settle. They agreed to renegotiate the the original deal. And and so Andre obviously was very influenced by Jay Prince uh, as a young man. And so he signs with Jay Prince. And, you know, he, it's not like he speaks poorly of Prince, but there no, are moments. No, no. Matter of fact, um, throughout the book and the documentary, he gave Jay Prince a lot of credit for getting him out of situations that could have. Remember, because Jay Prince would call him and say, well, what's going on with you? Why don't you come to Houston and hang out with me for a while? 
Garrett, Jay Prince, Jay Prince was a gangster in real life. Oh, yeah. Jay Prince reminds me of guys like my father, guys like uh, my father's uh, contemporaries who would see young men like me that were, you know, intelligent, into the school books, or, or, or athletes that had a lot, like Andre Ward, like a Rod Strickland. Rod Strickland grew up in my neighborhood. He's only two years older than me. Rod Strickland was protected by the gangsters and told not to do what they were doing because they saw that he was special. Yeah. That's what, who Jay Prince reminded me of. Guys like my father, guys like uh, gangsters that I grew up around who wanted to make sure that if somebody was athletically or academically gifted, that nothing got in their way. And they would tell other gangsters, I don't ever want to see you trying to make that kid sell drugs. I think Jay Prince came into his life at the right time. And I think Virgil Hunter knew this. And that's why Virgil Hunter uh, advised Andre to have Jay Prince in his career. Okay, so that that is one significant figure where yeah. I know Andre's got love and respect for him, but uh, but he's he's not painted in in, in the in the perfect picture uh, because of the the contract situation. Another person, and this person, and I'm sure it's because of the way things ended, but but Dan Goosen, the promoter, uh, obviously mm-hmm. Andre's career gets stalled out because he does not like his promotional contract. And I don't even remember how long it took to to fight that deal, but the, the way that they get out the of it. The only reason it, it ended was because Dan Goosen died. Dan Goosen if Dan Goosen away. hadn't died, we may have never seen those Kovalev fights because Goosen did not want to settle. Goosen wanted to keep Andre Ward under the terms of their contract. Andre wanted to break it. There was no give. There was no compromise. But then Goosen died, and that's when the Goosen estate settled with Andre, and then Andre went on and signed with uh, Jay-Z and Rock Nation. So the last person that he mentions is obviously someone who you already talked about, Virgil Hunter, his trainer. Now, it's almost 100% positive on Virg, but the, the part that I, wa- I wondered if you had the same reaction as me is after Andre wins the gold medal, he actually does earn some money from uh I, I don't know where the money actually comes USA from. boxing I think gave the metal uh, gave medalist money I think they gave Andre either you can correct me either see the ten thousand or twenty thousand for winning the gold medal yeah it may have been it may have even been a little more but oh, could have been twenty five thousand something like that he mentions he's yeah. he says you know that basically he didn't know how he didn't know if the money, you know, he just, I'm sure he assumed the money was his because he was the one doing the fighting. And Virgil was like, bruh, I've, I've, <laughs> I took you in, man. Like you, you need to piece me off some of this. And so Andre hey, Virgil had, Virgil had a point. No, 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 he did. But the way yeah. that Andre wrote it in the book kind of made me think like, he wasn't too happy about having to piece off some of that money to Virgil. Hunter. Well, then you also have to look at Andre's perspective. He had a, he had, he already had a wife and two kids mm-hmm. <laughs> at that point in time. Absolutely. So he's probably also thinking financially, he's in a bed. He needs the money. Virgil doesn't need the money. He owns his house, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but Virgil did deserve some of that money. Yeah, he fed him and his brother for several years. Now, now that's another character. So the reason why I bring up the the three people who played these leadership roles in Andre's life is because he he holds his his father uh very high in uh, in reverence 
Um, as like, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it, I wonder if Andre's father uh doesn't pass away early if if andre had you know if andre's career goes the same way or if he just uses that as 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 so much uh, ammunition for him to continue to go because you know he was always talking about his pops especially during the olympics but he kind of had these three figures who played these surrogate roles obviously virgil hunter considers him a son but it, it just seemed that the, the leadership aspect of these other men who were in his life, it's almost like he kind of balked at, you know, oh, I, I have to have these guys just because that's the way the game is. But the game isn't built for the fighters to come out of this in the right way. And it was almost like, yeah, you know, I really uh, I appreciated Prince and I appreciated Goosen, but I kind of wish that I didn't need them. Like, why do I need them in this sport that is built to kind of kill its own? Well, if if you look at Jay Prince's track record with boxes, it's been phenomenal. Jay Prince has had three marquee boxes that he's managed. Floyd Mayweather until Floyd broke off in the late 2000s and went with Al Heyman. Andre Ward and now Shakur Stevenson. Uh, the, the, the three of them under Jay Prince's leadership manage <laughs> management never lost. <laughs> he's That's amazing. So he's doing it's amazing. <laughs> he's had three three major fighters and none of them have lost a fight under his uh leadership. Also, you need a shark like a Jay Prince to deal with sharks. Right, right. Yeah, that like, his his role. There's a lot no of way in the world Andre could have succeeded without a guy like Jay Prince. The the role that he plays in that is, is sort of undervalued and overlooked and but but i just sensed that andre was just kind of frustrated that he needed people like that to be well, because in the look game. gary if he doesn't have jay prince who'd you rather have jay prince or don king come knocking on your oh, door oh there's a great don king story <laughs> in the yes. book and in and yes. the documentary yes, oh that's my a god good, oh people if you have not read the book Buy the book just for the Don King story where Jay Prince and Andre Ward laughed at his ass. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. But you see, you need somebody like that. In or that's and look, he thinks highly of Jay Prince because him and Jay Prince were originally co-managing Shakur Stevenson until Andre Ward said, "Nah, Jay, take 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 over the take over the young boy's career completely." Yeah, okay. he wouldn't have brought Shakur to Jay Prince had he thought. Had he not thought that if he didn't have such high regard for his former manager. Now, the other person in both the book and the documentary that is there, and Andre mentions this person, but you don't see them or hear from them at, almost at all, is Andre has a brother. The brother. Yeah, because he moved to, back to Seattle, Washington with his mother's family uh, late in Andre's amateur career. Career and I don't think he ever came back. Um, I've read reports of them. You know, they see each other from time to time. One will go to the Bay Area, the other go to Seattle. But their lives separated when around the time Andre was 17, 18 years old. Yeah, it's it's just interesting that he's not in the documentary like at all. Yeah, and, 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 and which which I didn't understand. Maybe. His brother's a private person. I don't know. Because when you look at Andre, Andre is a private person. Very much so. And him coming out with this documentary, and when he when the documentary first came out, Garrett, we were 
shocked to hear about how he was smoking weed yeah. and <laughs> drinking. Because all this time, and this is kudos to Jay Prince, they always they always used his image. His yeah. image was viewed by the public as, oh, he's a good Christian boy. <laughs> yes. So, so uh, yeah, I thought that that was, a, that was interesting. Now, uh, may, I forgot one more leader, one more mentor. For Napoleon him. Kaufman. Napoleon Kaufman plays such a vital role in Andre Ward's life. Napoleon Kaufman, uh, where did he go to college, by the way? I forget. I, f- I know he played for the Oakland Raiders. Who, no, who he, did play, he, to- he played for the Raiders for quite a bit. I'm trying Matter to- of fact, when he retired with the Raiders, he was still in his prime, and he just said he wasn't hungry anymore. And he stopped playing, and he went to do the, the, the Lord's work, and he's been um, Andre's minister for almost 20 years now. Yeah, he went to, he went to Washington, and then he played for the Raiders. I just remember him as a Heisman candidate back in the uh, the early 90s. Yeah. And then, he, and then he plays for the Raiders from 95 through 2000 and even has uh, a, a th- uh, almost almost a 1,300-yard season uh, with the Raiders when they were back when they were in Oakland. And then, yeah, just six years, and then he stopped playing, and then he went into um, the ministry. ministry. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, but he is also now the way that he is presented is is much more, I would say, as how mentors are usually presented. He's Universal. presented as a spiritual advisor, basically. And and at the end of the documentary, you see Andre and his wife, uh, they start to work in, in, in the mm-hmm. ministry. So mm-hmm. uh, so I just find, I just found the whole thing. You know, with his pops, the absence of his pops, and he kind of created, you know, for I, I don't know if Goosen is necessarily a mentor. But... Now, Goosen was more of a promoter. The other three, Virgil, trainer slash surrogate father, Jay Prince, manager slash basically, uh, I'm protecting you from the sharks, and Napoleon Kaufman, the man who counsels him whenever he's going through his dark periods. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, and and maybe the book and the documentary gives you an answer without saying it out, out outright that he's also the Ward's, uh, what you call it, uh, couples therapist. Mm, that's interesting. Think about it. Yeah, he could be there. He could be there. The the what's that? A couples counselor, a marriage mm-hmm. counselor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they they've definitely had a ride, quite a ride, and and they explain it in the book. When she does actually uh, get pregnant and and her, her you know, mom. I, all this time because they, they didn't mention this in the documentary, I learned a lot of things in this book. I did not know she wasn't from the Bay Area. No, all these years, I thought his wife was from the Bay Area. She's from Seattle. Yep. He met her through his brother because his brother was living in Seattle. Yep, exactly. He uh, got her pregnant on one of those trips. To Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, uh, it's crazy how how young they were and starting the family and yeah, fifteen, sixteen years old. Yeah, living, living with Virgil and and Virgil's wife. Uh, what is her name? Millie is her Millie. Name? Millie. Yeah, Millie. It's, Miss it's, Millie. It's yeah. insane. Uh, okay, so I would say the book uh, is is a quick read if you are interested in Andre's career. You know, it's less about his actual boxing career from a fight to fight perspective like there's some good stuff in there but you know he kind of jumps through the the super six pretty quickly like i wanted to know more a little bit more about the super six i remember watching the super six i remember rooting so hard for him in the super six 
Uh, also, you know, the Kovalev fights are covered pretty pretty deeply because I yeah, think, the Kovalev know. fights are the only fights that are given complete detail, probably because those were the easiest to remember. Those were his last two fights, and um, they were the two biggest fights of his career. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember. So this would have been when when was the Saki Obika fight? Because it was kind of it wasn't part of the Super Six, but it was it was a it was a tune up in between the semifinal and his championship fight against Carl Frotch. Yes. So, so it would have been he knocked out Andre Wolf, um not Andre he knocked out Chad Dawson in 2012. So 2011 would have been Frotch. So Saki Obika was either late 2010. Early 2011. So that that still to this day. Now I have covered uh, MMA shows, Strike Force, right. uh, Bellator. Uh, I've covered pro wrestling shows. That's the only boxing fight I've ever had a credential for. Was you Ward went that 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 was at the Oracle? Yeah, that was at yeah that was at the Oakland Arena, formerly Oracle Coliseum. Or, Does anybody play there anymore? Uh, no, Damn. there's no team that is currently there, but they're trying to rebuild that area around Oakland sports. So I actually, I actually sent, uh, 200 bucks to the Oakland roots and soul company. And they have the Oakland Roots, I believe, is the men's soccer team. And then there's okay. an Oakland Soul, which is the women's soccer team. But the soccer team is actually, uh, I think that soccer team is like kind of like a semi-pro league, but they're trying to make it professional with the women's soccer. So I just, I donated 200 bucks to just say that I have like this, this tiniest, tiniest piece of this organization. Let me ask you a question. The rumors about the A's going to Vegas. Yeah. Is is that is that all but a done deal? I gotta think. The only thing that stops that from happening is just that the A's, uh, their entire organization is just fundamentally shitty. <laughs> like they they can't put one foot in front of the other when it comes to any of this stuff. Mm. So it's kind of a, a surprise that they've actually made this Vegas thing work so far. And the, okay. I, that's what I would say. The only thing that stops them is that they can't get out of their own way when it comes. Like, cause, you know, I've spent I've spent time when I say time, it's really been one evening. But, you know, Dave Caval, who's the Oakland A's president, who's kind of the, the face of this thing because their owner, John Fisher, He's kind of behind the scenes, though he has done a lot more interviews and stuff. Is 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 Bean still involved in the organization? I think he's technically still the general manager. Okay, all right, okay. All right, all right. So Dave Caval's like the president, and you'll like this story. Uh Dave Meltzer does a business class at Stanford. So he goes once a year. To, he he has a friend who's a professor, and he invites Dave to do a sports business class. And it's basically okay. like right. Dave, you know, is asking them, okay, you know, you know, does anybody know who Conor McGregor is? You know, who, okay. who, who do you know in boxing? Who do you know in wrestling? And he's trying to see like, you know, the, the, the normal sports fan who mm -hmm. are interested in sports, but these are a little bit more niche sports. You know, who, who are they interested in? Who do they know? And, and so he talks, you know, he, he basically Asked, answers questions about sports business and about wrestling and, and MMA and such. And so 
uh, one year, and, and this may be actually multiple years, but Dave Caval, the president of the A's, was also at the same class. So Meltzer invited me to uh, Dave Caval's suite at the Oh, I remember Coliseum. you talking about this. Yes. Yeah. You went to you you went to an Oakland A's and you made a foot you made a joke saying, Can you believe I'm yeah. actually at an Oakland A's game? <laughs> yes. So uh, Dave Caval is in the suite and there's a there's I think the Stanford I wanna say it's like the Stanford uh Parents of maybe some of the Stanford baseball players or something are, are also in this suite, and so we're hanging out. And I like I'm not really interested in the game itself. I'm not an A's fan, right? Uh, I was more interested in Dave Caval himself because I'm like, oh, you know, this guy's president of a big league baseball team. And I was like, I wonder how much he knows about the actual Oakland A's and like their history and their story. And somehow uh, this topic came up, and I may have even presented it to try and test him, but there I, there was an audience of people around, and so we, we started talking about when MC Hammer was a young man, mm-hmm. and he was working for Charlie O'Finley, mm-hmm. who was the was A's bat, owner. He was his bat boy. He was his bat boy slash snitch. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Char- Charles Finley was not in Oakland. So he would actually have a young Stanley Burrell uh, be his eyes and ears. And, you know, they would get on the phone. And what the players would use Stanley Burrell for is they would have, you know, they get you get a freebie or two for the game. And if you didn't use them, they were like, hey, kid, why don't you go in the parking lot and sell these tickets uh, as a, like a scalper would. And so then they would pocket the money because, you know, you got this cute kid who's actually fairly talented and, you know, a very, very uh, dynamic and it, personality. And it, it, was, it was Reggie Jackson that gave him the name Hammer because they all said he looked like Hank Aaron, like Hammer Hank Aaron. and Hank Aaron. Yes. That, so That's how MC Hammer was born. <laughs> so I told that story to just these onlookers. And again, like I'm not even an A's fan. Right. Uh, but I told that story, and I was just kind of interested in in what Dave Caval knew about baseball. So there would be certain situations that I'd be testing him and stuff. And the other did thing, you did, did you bring up the fact that Charlie Finley tried to move them to Vegas before he sold the team to the Levi uh, organization? I did not talk about that, but yeah. um, it's funny how things come full circle. <laughs> I, I have another link to the A's because when I was working in radio. Uh, one of the guys who was on air, but he wasn't that much older than me. Uh, but he actually went. I actually went to school with him in college. His name is Chris Townsend, and he was he was working radio when I was at KMBR. And so you know now we're he, now we're twenty five years later or so, and he actually is the one of the voices of the A's. He hosts their uh, their digital stuff. They have like uh, you know. Uh, live stream shows and stuff, and he's the host okay. of that. So that there is a con- like I am connected in in like some weird way, but uh, but so that's why I was interested. But so I, I said all of that to basically say that Dave Caval, what Dave Caval is impressive with is like shaking hands and kissing babies. I I don't know what if he's actually good at his job and for for some of the people 
who are in the sports business, they don't really believe he's good at his job. But the one time I had the opportunity to talk to him and to hang out with him and to you know, test him on stuff, I thought he was he was a good person. He was a cool dude. But that doesn't mean that he's necessarily mm-hmm. the right man for for this job. But yeah, uh, we'll see what happens when they go to Vegas. You let me ask you a question: They move to Vegas. The first year they're in Vegas, they they should do great attendance, right? Well, the problem, they're, the Vegas ballpark won't be ready for like three or four years, so they're so going to they, be the oh. Las Vegas A's and be playing back in Oakland. Oh, my God. They're going to be a lame duck team. Oh, yes. man. It's going to be the Washington Nationals all over again. No, not the Washington. It's going to be the Montreal Expos all over again before they went to Washington. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, back to Andre. Now you mm-hmm. are you you wrote a bunch of pieces for me where you ranked your historic fighters based on divisions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Andre's best weight was one sixty eight, and I had him number two. And who did you have him behind? I had Roy, the only one above him, Roy. And in the documentary. Roy kind of becomes uh, Roy and Bernard Hopkins kind of become they were his mentor. Yeah, uh, the, the, like it, it's it means a lot to Andre for those guys to basically say that he was the goods like that. And it's fun. Him, and it's fun you mentioned that. I always say. Recently, one of my favorite sayings. I tell this to my girlfriend all the time. I tell this to my mother. I say this on my various podcasts. Everything. As I get older, I realize everything comes full circle. Roy and Bernard, Andre idolized him growing up. Yeah. And now they were mentoring him throughout his career. Everything comes full circle. Now, in the documentary, Roy Jones says that he believes the way that Andre retired was like the greatest thing ever. Yes. That is a little I, interesting I heard coming regret, from Roy. I heard a regret coming out of Roy's voice because Roy didn't do the same thing. He fought 15 years too long. <laughs> and he fought, like, even, like, two years ago. Yeah, he fought 15 years too. He sure he should have retired the night Tarver knocked him out. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's funny because there's a story in the book, and, and they kind of show the video of it, which is Andre goes to see Bernard Hopkins. And Bernard Hopkins is famous for, even though he is not fighting anymore, he is like three pounds above his actual fighting weight. Like, his diet is still on point. And Andre sees him, and he's like kind of joking, like, oh, I don't think you're on diet, Yeah, Bernard. I know, because he, he, was, he was eating a big meal. <laughs> <laughs> and Bernard's like, no, 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 that's not mine. That's not mine. I'm just mine. So it's just, you know, those stories – seeing the greats outside of being inside that squared circle, that is the stuff that I love. And that's the stuff that I love about this book is, did you ever see the hall of fame induction of the, cause they all three were inducted the same year. I didn't. I mean, the, the, you it's know, on you. It's on YouTube. The Bernard Roy and Andre gave three phenomenal speeches. All right. They were easily the three best speeches. That, and it was a historic class. You had Floyd, you had James Tony, you had Bernard Hopkins, Andre Ward, Roy Jones Jr. Probably the great. You had three classes all inducted in one because time of, because, because of, of COVID. Pand- they, of yeah. the pandemic. Right. Um, 
James Tony was sad to hear because his 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 vocals are a shot because of too many shots to the head. Ah. But and Floyd was the political Floyd. I mean, you didn't get any. You didn't get it. Floyd's been like that for for years, where he makes sure he says the right thing, like yeah. he's a politician. Yeah. But Bernard, Andre, and Roy were honest. They thanked those that 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 helped them. It's a it's a must watch just to see those three guys. Andre even forgot how many kids he had at one point. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I would say uh, very, the documentary is definitely worth watching. I think you can get you can subscribe to Showtime through Paramount Plus. Like you said, it's like yes. three bucks. It's on, extra it's, no, you uh, well, damn, y- y'all guys missed the um, you guys missed the uh. The Black Friday sale that just ended. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I got I've, I've Paramount, had, I've I got had Paramount Plus for a dollar ninety nine for the next year because of the Black Friday sale. There you go. <laughs> so uh, you can see all that. But I, one, one thing I want to say about the book, even though the book's only two hundred and twenty four pages, once you start reading it, you don't want to put the book down, and it gives you everything in his life, despite it's only two hundred twenty four pages, because. He doesn't dwell on the boxing a lot. He yeah. dwells on the personal life, his childhood, his mother, his father, Virgil, Jay Prince, the whole night. Like uh, Garrett said, the only fights that are dealt with thoroughly are his two Kovalev fights. He, he, he is a competitor, and you can tell because any slight he possibly thought that there was from an mm-hmm. opponent, he used to his advantage. Oh, Mikel Kessler, he he doesn't mind fighting in Oakland. Oh, he's overlooking me. He's overlooking me, and I'm going to use that against him. Uh, you know, Carl Frotch, you know, he likes to talk. He, he's smiling. You know, I'm not going to get caught in this trash talk. He's selling the fight. Carl Frotch is selling the fight, which is good for Andre, but Andre still takes that as a slight, and that's how he – like, that. that is more what you get out of the fights is really the – uh, the story behind the fight and what inspires mm-hmm. Andre to be his best. Uh, I think that is some of the best stuff. But it, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty funny the 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 edginess that he has when you know. Oh yeah, Kovalev, Kovalev. Your nickname is the Crusher, and I hit you with a body shot, and and you're you're bending over, and you're not even you know you're not even getting your hands back up. Like what are, what are you doing here, buddy? Like he takes that as a slight. And, and, and Kovalev, Kovalev was never the same after that fight. The reason Canelo fought Kovalev because he saw he was damaged goods after losing to uh, Andre Ward. That's one of the, the 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 biggest ifs in boxing history. Andre retiring at the time he did because had he signed that deal with Canelo, I mean with HBO, that would have been a fight. And HBO might still be in business today. Damn. <laughs> All right, so we we just talked about where you can find it. It's on Showtime, and the book is on Amazon. You can find it wherever. Uh, let's talk about Showtime because as we talk about the, the state of boxing 2024, we just lost another network, Showtime Sports. Not only Showtime Boxing, Showtime mm-hmm. Sports, Sports. Yep. is no longer. So you just talked about HBO. No more Showtime Sports. I, I mean, does does Fox? I think the Fo- Fox hasn't had a fight in a while. Fox Fox's deal with PBC expired at the end of last year. So so we're just we're literally dealing ESPN with ESPN is the and only ESPN? network that has 
a, a traditional cable, traditional television. ESPN is the only one left. And I'm not talking about the zone and the other streaming apps. I'm talking about traditional television. If you just have cable, ESPN is the only thing left. And, and it's it's sad because when you talk about awareness around the sport, I don't know if awareness has been lesser than it's ever been right now. In, in oh, it's it, it's it's at all t- it's at an all time low. It is at all time low. And Showtime leaving, it it's a huge dagger. Um, PBC looks like they're going to wind up on Amazon, but what kind of uh, value is that? It, I mean, you have to subscribe a lot. I know a lot of people subscribe to Amazon Prime, but you're not going to get the same eyeballs as being on a network. On a network, I mean, even if they went to the Zone, it's not the same thing. No, you, you and I can only you cannot you zone you and I either. can only guess. The millions of dollars the zone has lost in five, six years. Well, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you, how many subscribers do you think they even have? They can't have too many because every year they, the price is, I think it's twenty nine ninety nine a month now. That's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't. I remember when that. you canceled your subscription. You got, you were like, yeah, it, I'm I, so I mad. <laughs> it started at nine ninety nine in two thousand seventeen, and it's twenty nine ninety nine now. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And when they first started, Garrett, they said they were going to never go with pay-per-view. Everything would be on the streaming app. And now, not only are people paying however limited amount of subscribers they have, are not only paying $29.99, but for the Canelo fights, you got to pay an additional $89.99 just for that fight alone. Yeah, which is which is ridiculous. And yeah. I, I guess the, the, the reason why I was wondering about that is because you just mentioned Amazon now. DAZone, let's say let let's let let's be let's go over the top and give them benefit of the doubt. Let's say they have two million subscribers. I have I don't think that they have two I million subscribers. What's what 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 does WWE have? Uh well WWE's on Peacock. So yeah, how but, many are, but, how many how many ever Peacock oh, has okay, yeah, have access before, to WWE? Before they were on Peacock, how many did they yeah, have? I, they, they had gotten to a million at some point. Okay, but it, right. it was you know it was slow. The zone doesn't have WWE numbers. Okay, so <laughs> now you talk about Amazon. Yeah, Amazon probably. Oh, they have they have they have more. They they probably. Um, if you look at the streaming apps, Netflix and Peacock and Hulu probably have more than Amazon. Right, I would, I would say people who have access to Amazon is probably in the, I, I don't know, eighty millions or so, but not yeah, everyone. But not is everybody. Going to watch not it. everybody pays for that video service. Well, they they may a lot pay, of people just use it for to, it. to shop. They pay for it, but they don't actually use it. They use it right, for right, the right. for the shipping, and right. and so you know because the the reason why the Amazon play is actually kind of interesting is because Amazon has actually done a pretty good job with the NFL. And, you know, they get about 12 million viewers for these Thursday night dog meat football games. That, yeah, that but aren't, aren't they free in a lot of, a lot of areas? Like, well, yeah, uh, if, if you're local Black area, Friday, you home. Black Friday, they gave it a free for everybody, the jet game, that jet debacle, that horrible <laughs> ass game. That was free all over the world. That you was. didn't have to. All you had to do was download the app. You didn't right. have to. Right, <laughs> right. The, but their Thursday night package, you actually have to do. You have to be okay. a Prime subscriber. Right. Okay, but right. uh, but basically, what I was saying is, 
if it is a Canelo fight on Amazon Prime, I think you could draw some. Yeah, but the thing is, Canelo Canelo's got two more fights with PBC. That's going to be pay per view, regardless. And and Showtime is going to continue just with those two fights. So, but the just my, those my two point fights they're going to distribute. My point is, yeah, anybody other than Canelo, your viewership is going to be very minuscule. Mm-hmm. You you can put a prize fight. You can put Canelo versus whomever is going to be next with him, and I think you could do some some viewership. The problem is, anything less than that, is, and there it's going to be almost non-existent, which is unfortunate, and Ooh. and it's it sucks that it's like that. But boxing has basically built or 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 kept one star, and everybody else is vying for second place and it's not even really that close right now you know there's a myth out there that tank davis is this huge star the numbers do not correlate i'm sorry yes him and ryan garcia did over a million pay-per-view buys but and i don't like ryan garcia ryan garcia was the reason they did 1.2 million buys i hate to uh burst people's bubbles but if you take away ryan garcia's fight versus tank davis the most Tank Davis ever did on pay-per-view was 275,000 buys. He sells out arenas, no doubt. People go see him to fight, but a lot of people do not pay to see him on pay-per-view. Canelo is the only guy in the United States that sells pay-per-views. Yeah. So where where do you see things going? I can't... Well, they're going to be on Amazon because if you go to Amazon right now, a lot of the old PBC Showtime fights are available on Amazon Prime. Oh, so right, I didn't know that. So right then and there, boom, it's available. Here's another thing that I brought up on Twitter a few days ago. Uh, I'm shocked, and I remember you talking about pro wrestling maybe doing this. Tubi shows 24-7 on their live streaming version of their app, Classic Top Rank Boxing. Yeah. It's just All a, day, yeah, every it's just a day. channel that just it just is is on. It started Thanksgiving Eve. It's only been around a little bit over a week, and they got good shit on there. So um, that might be the future right there, uh, uh, Garrett. You know, is, the, you know the problem with those Tubi channels though. It's a very passive viewership experience. So, for instance, you know what what I, I would guess where a lot of their viewership comes from is like uh, people who like to watch uh, old syndication, right? Like when you and I were growing up, like I never got to watch Good Times like on the first run. Hey, but I Showtime at the Apollo, the entire catalog's on Tubi. Right. Shows like that. But I, I, I damn near watched every episode of Good Times just because of syndication, right? Mm-hmm. So this is like the new version yes. of syndication. And it is in a ch- in a way that people understand, like who used to have cable. You just kind of watch the, you. You let the whole thing. I, I don't know what their on demand is like, but I don't like. Say, let's say you wanted you wanted to watch something on, on on top rank, and you're like, you know, you wanted to watch, you know, a Sugar Ray Leonard fight or, or a Tommy Hearns fight. They don't have an on demand for that yet, right? Because so you have because to ESPN just pay Plus attention. has exclusive rights to the on demand stuff. What they do is they just throw out, they they stream these fights, and th- there is a guide to tell you one time those fights happen for the next two days, 
But if you miss it, you got to wait for it to come back around. I don't know how many weeks. And I don't think they have any like DVR functionality or anything. So like you could like record it if it's no, like, I record, in the middle of the night I, or something. I, I have it set up to my DVD recorder. Okay. There's a couple of fights that that George Foreman had that I didn't have in my collection. His fights against Alex Stewart, and there was another fight. I recorded it the first day they started streaming it, but. They don't have, like, you're right, they don't have a DVR function on Tubi. And then you got to cut out the commercials, man. There are there are no commercials. Oh, really? There's no commercials? What they do is, every once in a while, in between rounds, they'll do a countdown, a one-minute countdown. But they don't show the, for some reason, they're not showing the commercials doing the live streaming. And when the fight ends, they go straight to the next one. So you know how I knew what those services were is, Somebody told me there was a Beverly Hills 90210 channel, and I had to check it out. That's how I knew what, what those services were, was to watch some old 90210. They've got a lot of good stuff on Tubi that people don't know about. I mean, right now, uh, they're uh, infamously known for the horrible gangster movies that are getting produced and put on there. But there's a lot of good stuff on Tubi. I mean, this is... Not second rate, not third rate. This is tenth rate garbage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so but with the state of boxing, yes, they gotta. They, someone has got to get a deal with another network. I remember you talking about now you have the max subscription. If somebody could somehow finagle a deal with Warner Brothers, right now I think if WBD they're calling out, yeah. They they could get in. They could get back into the box into the boxing game at a bargain at a bargain basement price. Yeah, unleash my guy Lampley, man. I, I miss that guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Triller didn't do boxing any favors. You know, they gave him a huge contract, and he's yet to to announce one fight. Um, and they're all but out of business because they never promoted any major fights, and they destroyed that versus thing that was hot for a minute. Yeah, and and I know. <laughs> You know, we had the we had the uh, the MMA versus boxing. You know, Tyson Fury. You know, kind of allowed uh, um, the the, well, the that that Fran- thing Francois that thing's gonna, another oh Ngannou. something we did something we didn't bring up with Showtime going out of business. One of the and I said this one of the reasons that they lost so much money the last couple of years they got in bed with Jake Paul and those pay per views flopped. Yeah. Didn't do great. Flopped. I uh, Francis Ngannou. I I called him Francis. Francis Ngannou. Yeah. But but yeah. you know that 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 and you know they of... haven't come out with the pay per view numbers on that. They're real quiet about oh, that. Oh, uh, Dave Meltzer, in, in, at least in the U.S., he said that they were minuscule. Yeah, nobody wanted to see that garbage. No. Come on. I didn't watch. And it. you know what's horrible is that the WBC ranked this guy in their top ten. So when um the when a casual boxing fans or or uh, what you call it, diehard sports fans see that a guy had one fight, lost that fight, and is all of a sudden ranked among the top ten in the glamour division heavyweights. How can you take the sport seriously? They're trying to get him to fight again. <sighs> They're gonna have that guy murdered because when if they ever they they talk about putting him in one day with Anthony Joshua Deontay Wilder, he'll get massacred. Yeah, that's, that's, what, right. I've been, that's what I've been Tyson Fury carried him. And Tyson Fury was 60 pounds overweight. I know. Sad. <laughs> he didn't train for that fight. So what do you think about this Joshua Wilder doubleheader? That, that fight, that that's probably going to be the big fight. The two biggest fights of 2024 
will be Fury, Usyk, if Fury doesn't come up with an excuse to pull out, because you never know with that guy, and Joshua Wilder, because jo all Joshua and Wilder have to do is win their fights in three weeks. All right. Are, are you um, in on that show, though? That, that, that I know they're trying to charge. I think Carlos Toro told me they're trying to charge 40 bucks for that show. They are going to charge. They, they are going to charge 40 bucks for that show. Yeah, I think I'm out. As, I'm much, as, as much as I want to watch it. I just Ladies don't... and gentlemen, I have access to all the fights. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's never a concern for me. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll be watching. I'm I'm never going to pay for stuff like that. Like if it's a, like if Joshua fights uh, Wilder, I'm going to a movie theater to see yeah, that. Yeah, that, that's, when, that's a great place to watch that kind of fight. I saw Canelo Charlo in the movie theater. The fight was disappointing. But the atmosphere is great. In New York City, when you go see a fight at the movie theater and a Mexican fighter is involved with Canelo, the atmosphere is crazy because you got the Mexicans, you got the Puerto Ricans, and you got the African-Americans all in there, and they're arguing with each other. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> you know, you know, my, my wife, uh, when or very early on in our relationship, I took her to see Wilder against. Uh... Gotta be Fury. No, who's the who's the big lefty? Oh, Luis Ortiz. Yes, uh, we yes. saw we saw Wilder Ortiz, which was kind of boring until the end. Yeah, but, they, but we saw yeah, that they, at the theater. That was the fight where Wilder did nothing, landed one shot, and Ortiz got caught it caught it out on a stretcher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the, yeah, but uh, I love the movie. Yeah, stuff. I remember that, Gary, because that's right around the time you started dating. Yeah, yeah, it was very early in our in our uh, in our day. Yeah, cause ladies and gentlemen, uh, I don't want to get Garrett in trouble, but he was trying to find uh, Kelly from nine hundred two one zero Jenny Goff's number <laughs> before he met his wife. <laughs> well, you know, you know what I told what I told. Uh... I told somebody I was like, what what I was trying to do is I was trying to wait Jenny Garth out because at <laughs> some point she was gonna be on the descent, and it's possible I was gonna be on the ascent, and I would get close enough stature wise to where it wouldn't be out of, out of this world for us to kind of connect. Wait, but how old is she now? She's gotta be in her mid fifties. I'm gonna I guess. My age. I think she's my age. Yeah, because. She was actually one of the youngest, right? No, the only one younger than her was David and um Tori. Yeah, Tori. Tori Spelling. Yeah. Yeah. Those were the almost younger than her. Hey, so you know, when... she she's she's done a very good job at, at staying as young as, as she possibly can, for sure. I think all of them have, right? They're, yeah, they you know, they're 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 doing pretty well. Uh yeah. Ian Ziering, you know, he had his Chippendale stage, so I'm sure he was you know, he was probably taking some stuff. Even Luke looked great before he shockingly died. Yeah, you know the story of when I met Luke, right? No, no, go ahead. Um, my buddy John LaRocca, he was working for uh, Marcus Mack, and they were running uh, what is called APW. Now, if you've seen behind, uh, what was that? What was that uh, wrestling uh, documentary from? Well, the with, with Terry Funk and you, right, Jack, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. beyond beyond the ring, or I, I forget what it was called. Beyond they, the mat. Beyond the mat. There you go. Yeah. But they did a short story on all pro wrestling, Roland Alexander, and these independent guys trying to make it to the big time and such. And so APW, it's the same APW, but Roland Alexander. That John was the booker for at one time, right? John booked for APW. Yeah. So they ran their second Cow Palace show at the old Cow Palace, San Francisco. Their first Cow Palace show 
had Cody Rhodes and uh, Joey Ryan in, in, I think Joey Ryan, maybe it's Joey Ryan. I, I, f- I forget, but it was Cody Rhodes was in the main event, I believe, the first Cow Palace show. So they ran it back. And uh, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, Luke Perry's son, was in the Battle Royal in the, in the, in the first match of the, of the show. And I saw Luke, uh, actually a friend had told me, he's like, hey, Luke's, you know, like about seven rows in front of you. And I thought to myself, I was like, you know. Hey, was this around the time Luke had filmed his last movie, the Tarantino movie? What's that? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? It was very, it was, it was not that long before he passed away, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I see Luke and I'm like, gosh, you know, I don't like going up to these people. Like, I, I just kind of like just kind of give it nah, a you, you, you're, hum- you're a humble, laid back dude. That's not you. Yeah. Yeah. So, but then I thought, you know, I was like, you know. I may never have another opportunity just to say what's up to him. And so it was after one of the matches and I kind of moseyed over and I just walked over and I was very direct. I didn't like waste his time. I just went over. I said, I just want to shake your hand. Really enjoy. You know, I'm a big 90210 fan. And he had done he had executive produced uh, the Ric Flair 30 for 30 documentary that had come out right around that time, maybe a little bit earlier. And I just wanted, mm-hmm. I just said, you know, great, you know, and so. This is all he said to me. I said, you know, blah, 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 blah. I was just giving him accolades. And he's like, I just love pro wrestling. And then, and then, you know, I said something else. And he's like, I just love pro wrestling. Like, that was his answer, like, to both of my questions. And then I, I pieced out and, you know, I went, I went my, the mm-hmm. other way. And so that was the only time I met him. Got to say what's up. Got to say, you know, I enjoyed his work, all that stuff. Fast forward. And, and he passes away. Uh, I'm in New York for WrestleMania weekend. This would have been 2018 or 2019. I can't remember. I think it's 2019. It was pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic. WrestleMania 36, whatever or whatever 36 was. And uh, we're we're hanging out, you know, with with the homies. We're all out in New York, and Jungle Boy, his son, is with us. And it's not that, you know, not that long since his dad has passed. You know, quiet. He's a, you know, he's a young dude. He was probably like eighteen or nineteen at that point, maybe twenty. Right. And I was just like, God, you know, and I just feel for this kid. And he, like, he doesn't know how big of a fan I am of his pops, but I don't even want to bring that up because, right, right, he, I could just see him like he's dealing with it, man. So, uh, Jungle Boy is now in AEW, and he's currently off television because uh he made cm punk i don't think you have CM to explain it to you, you, this, your, your audience is predominantly wrestling fans well, they know exactly the what people, the people who listen to this may may you know may be listening for you so i, I just okay, I, I, have right. to, I have to mention right. it to all right go ahead uh he had that infamous skirmish in england with cm punk yes. last september right yeah yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. cm punk tried to attack him uh, so, so yeah, so, you know, the, we, we, we got off to, uh, telling stories and going off tangent, but that's kind of like what we do. We, we have, we so always many, do we, that. We have so many interests in, in yeah. this stuff. So off the cuff, baby, off the cuff. All right. I, I told you I wanted it. I wanted it to be around an hour and it, we're at a little bit over an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, as you know, I love talking to you. So let's talk about real quick, the stuff that you're doing. Cause you got a bunch of podcasts. And unfortunately for me, 
your Twitter handle changed. And I was like, yes. where is this dude? Yes. Like I, I sent you an email because I was yeah. so worried. I was like, yeah. what happened to Rob? What is going on? And you told me what happened, but yeah. uh, so let, so what are, what are you doing with your, with your podcast network? All right. First and foremost, let me give you guys, for those who don't know, I have two Twitter accounts, both representing the podcast I do. I have a weekly podcast on all the uh, all the po- podcast platforms, The Legends of Sports and Music, in which I delve into a legendary athlete or musician's historical career. It's, it's a historical overview. It's basically similar to the boxing historical overviews I've done over the years. And I've done, you name them, you name them in soul music, I've done them. Shaka Khan, Mint Condition, Silk, New Edition, BBD, Bobby Brown, Johnny Gill. Uh, the most recent one I did was on the legendary MC AZ. Uh, and as far as athletes go, Ricky Henderson, I got to do one on Barry Bonds. And when I do one on Barry Bonds, I want you to send me a very long voice note. <laughs> <laughs> you you uh, read Howard Bryant's book on Ricky Henderson, right? That that's the reason why I did the uh the tribute podcast. That, that book, book was awesome. That book is one of the greatest baseball books, one of the greatest sports books ever written. I mean, if you didn't know anything about Ricky Henderson after you read that book, you knew everything about Ricky Henderson because you you grew up in the Bay Area, and, and Ricky lived there his entire life. He's from Oakland, and his uh, personal life was always a mystery, right? Until yeah. that book came out. Yeah. I mean, he, he's been with the same woman for almost 50 years. Yeah. <laughs> Unreal. But yeah, great book. So the Legends of Sports and Music podcast, and that's one of my Twitter accounts, Legends OFS 60580 is that H, uh, Twitter account Legends OFS six zero five eight zero, and then I have the the uh, the continuation of my pound for pound is now called Hitman Chronicles on my Hitman Chronicles podcast. Comes out twice a week. I do a regular today's boxing where I recap the major fights, and middle of the week I do a historical podcast. Um, I finished off my. Patreon, Life of Times, Muhammad Ali. All those episodes are available on Hitman Chronicles. And now I'm up to part four of my Life and Times of Marvelous Marvin Hagler's career. Okay? And that Twitter account is Hitman CHRO82332. So you're so you're you're basically doing like three shows a week these days. Yes, I'm doing one music or or sports legends of sports and music and i'm doing one i'm doing two boxing one historical and it's easy uh with the historical uh the ali and hagler they're easy to do because i'm recreating a the play-by-play we do a watch along which i got that idea from listening to john larocca Right, John LaRock, you know his his uh podcast where he what what, what he calls it uh oh uh, it was uh what was it called he do a watch along every yeah. week to of a major of a major match it was take, great I was take like, it home take it home take it home I was like wait a minute I could do this but I'll just add play by play and that's why I got the idea from John um I and then like the first half of the Hagler or Ali. Po- uh, historical podcast. I do what was going on 
in their lives at that time. Mm -hmm. And then I end the podcast with recreating the fight that I'm talking about. Uh, last fight I did was his rematch versus Vito Anafermo. And going back to what we're talking about, HBO going out of boxing, Marvelous Marvin Hagler in 1981, signed the first exclusivity deal with HBO. Wow. And that was the beginning of the end for network television, because by 1990, HBO had a monopoly on all the best fighters in boxing. Yes, yes. You, you, If you were a boxing fan, you had to have HBO. Yeah, by 1990, you had to. And unfortunately, in my... Uh, South Bronx neighborhood, we weren't wide until 1995, so I had to go to girlfriends and relatives' house <laughs> just to see HBO boxing. <laughs> that was like me watching uh, the the Michael Jackson thriller video. My cousin... Yeah, because because only MTV had the exclusive rights to the... MT Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't watched the thriller documentary just came out, I want to mention something. I'm not sure if they're going to mention it on a documentary. Gary just brought something up. MTV for the first year had exclusive rights to the Thriller video. So, it wasn't until right before Christmas 1984 that Friday Night Video showed it on NBC. So I'm at my cousin's house, and he's like, hey, we're about to go somewhere. So I had to jump on his handlebars, and he pedals me over to his friend's house, and you know he's jumping off of curbs and stuff. And if you've ever been on somebody's handlebars, N not not great. No, Someone no, is trying no, to no, scare no. you. Ooh. And so we run up, run up the stairs to the apartment. It was just like just crazy, like energy. Oh, we can't wait to. I was like, I have no idea what we're watching. And that moment was the first time I saw Michael Jackson thriller video. And I still remember where I was. At the time, when Let me I saw tell it, you that's something. how big that video was. Michael Jackson is one of the few artists in the history of music. And look, I don't want to hear Taylor Swift, Beyonce, I, Drake. Don't, don't, don't come with me at that. None of those. If you combine them three together, maybe you get one one hundredth of the notoriety and and the worldwide dominance that Michael Jackson had, and still has to this day. Uh. You, you as a child, can remember what happened in life through what was going on in Michael Jackson's life. Oh, my God. <laughs> like with the Motown 25 special, oh, with, yeah. the thriller, uh, with the Thriller uh, release, with uh, the Black and White release, with the Remember the—everybody remembers where they were when Remember the Time came out. <laughs> Eddie Murphy, Elon, yes. Magic. Magic Johnson. Oh my God! Shirtless Magic. Yeah, this was Magic after he uh, contracted HIV. Magic. Yep. Uh, yeah. No. Also, like Martin Lawrence said in his uh, comedy album "Talking Shit," he said, "When you got people in Bucharest dancing, that's when you know you're." That, big. Yeah, that, that you, you. I mean, he is known worldwide, all over the world. All over the world. When he died, people in China and Korea and uh, all throughout Europe were losing their minds. I recently, st I haven't finished it, but I started watching uh, the This Is It uh, movie that they put out after he passed away. Again, just to, I don't know, I was, I was feeling reflective, had to watch some MJ. I've, you know, I've never watched that because when it came out, 
I I didn't watch it at first because I thought they were exploiting his death. Now that time has passed, I'll go watch it. Yeah, it's I, not it's not great, but you I get saw to it see as him. them you exploiting him. his death for for a buck. That's what I saw it as. You get to see him uh, go because it was an unfinished product. That's not the product he was going to bring out. No, no, no. But you get to see him conduct his business in, right, right in in his uh when, when they're when they're going over the routines and you know he's very specific about what he wants out of it like he you know almost to a point where he like cracks himself up because he knows he's taking it back to sports garrett taking it back to sports kobe bryant said he got his work ethic from hanging out with michael jackson yeah it's crazy said that michael told him he will dance until he collapses and that's how Kobe Bryant began practicing. And anybody who dealt with Kobe, LeBron, Allen Iverson, uh, Tracy McGrady, when they would practice with Kobe, Kobe would run him off the court because he wouldn't stop. You ever <laughs> really see, do you ever see the Redeem Team documentary on Netflix? I have to watch that. But I heard, I heard similar stories about that. There's yes. A, there's a story where, you know, there's a, there's a lot of young dudes on there. You know, ni- 2008, so you're talking – you know, Chris tw- Paul, 20, th- 23 year old LeBron or whatever, right. you know, 24 year old Carmelo. Carmelo. Yeah. And so they're uh, they're coming back from the club at like five o'clock in the morning. And as they're in the elevator, Kobe's getting ready to work out. And they're like, uh, we can't let Kobe just work out while we're coming back from the club. So a lot of those guys went like, oh, we're, we're going to go get our gear. We're going to go work out, except for Carmelo. Carmelo's like, I ain't working out. I'm going to bed. If you notice, <laughs> uh, if you notice, Garrett, after they played with the Redeem team, there was Kobe's influence rubbed off on them because all those guys' careers skyrocketed after that Olympics. Every one of them. That was a good team. I remember that. Well, I'm saying their, their, their NBA's career flourished. Because of playing around him. Yeah. Well, this was fun. Uh, I'm I'm glad that we did it. We'll uh, we'll check you out. You, you you have all the links to or you mentioned the uh, the shows and your in your Twitter accounts and I need to figure out the numbers on your Twitter accounts. Maybe you can send me an email and I, and I'll post the links to your Twitter accounts uh, in in the, in the write up for this. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, uh, just, yeah, just te- just DM me or something. I'll, I'll just, uh, I'll just, uh, what you, I'll just, uh, post it on Twitter for you to see. You yeah, can yeah, take yeah. it from there. Yeah, I, I as know soon the, the show's over. But, but, yeah. yeah, I'll give you the other one too. Yeah. But yeah, so we'll put this up. We'll link all to all your stuff and just great to hear your voice. I'm happy that we got to do this. Uh, miss doing stuff with you, but I know you're yeah, doing we, well. I, I want to come back with you when, uh, Fury Usyk happens. And yeah, let's it, do it. it yeah, they'll definitely do it because uh, that's that's the first major fight of 2024, and I'm I'm really intrigued by that fight because what Fury are we going to get? And I'm sure Fury will be 100% and ready, and that's a very intriguing fight, and I see it as a 50-50 fight. I couldn't tell you who's going to win that fight right now. Six months ago, I would have said Fury, but Fury has lost a step, so we will see. We will see. And we'll see if Matchroom likes me because I put in a request for a credential for Haney and Progray, which is in San Francisco. That doesn't make sense. How are you not going to that fight? Well, we'll see. 
We'll it's see. At, what was it at? What was it at the new uh, Golden State Chase. Arena? Yeah, it's at Chase next Saturday. Not this coming Saturday as we're recording, but next. I know they got six hundred tickets left. They give you one of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was talking to Carlos, and Carlos is like, "Yeah, boxing is uh, is famous for waiting to the last minute to give out your credential." So I'm still hopeful. I'm hopeful. Well, maybe maybe Dave got some pool and gets a credential. Just I, give you it know, to I me. I didn't even think about going. Think through the Think about Observer. that. I probably could have gone through the Observer. Have have uh Dave pull some strings and get you that uh for you 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 need to be there, man. That's that's the biggest fight in San Francisco in, in how many years? I don't know. Was the last time you had a fight? Yeah, I know you had a lot of Andre Ward fights in Oakland, but yeah. Andre fought in Frisco. There were a few Andre fights in Oakland. They did a couple of fights in San Jose through right. uh, Golden Boy. Right when Victor, uh, Victor Ortiz, Ortiz. yeah, Victor yeah. Ortiz, he mm-hmm. was there, uh, so I got to see that. But yeah, I can't even remember a fight in San Francisco. Oh, you know, Ali never fought in San Francisco. There hasn't been a major fight in San Francisco. No, I think Ali fought Archie Moore in San Francisco back in '63. Oh wow, <laughs> that's sixty <Jesus>. years. <laughs> <laughs> I might be right. I'll, I'll check it out afterwards. If I'm wrong, I'll retract it later. Anyway, man, this was a pleasure, man. And I hope you get to go to that fight because it only makes sense, man. I know. I know. I want to cover it. I, th- I think it'll be fun. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thank you to Robert Silva. I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.